This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. Listeners, we have three favors that we need to ask you to do for us. Please go to our website, vcob.org, and submit a question by clicking on that little tab that says Q&A podcast. Second, be sure to share it with a friend. And third, be sure to rate and review this at the iTunes store. Yes, yes. There you go. All right, here you go, Michael. Here's our question for today. What is the difference between the Bible versions? There's a lot of different ones out there. So what are the differences? Yeah, hundreds of Bible versions, to be honest. Yes, uh, over the years, there have been hundreds. Yeah, not all Bibles are created equally. (gasps) Sacrilege? All right, we're going to dig into this. One Bible, but different Bible translations. So let's let's go back and let's talk about the original languages because the Bible was not written in English. The King James Bible was not the original Bible. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and, and most Christians don't understand that the Bible was actually not written in English. That, that's right. Christians actually, today, they yeah. don't know that. And, and so we go back. The Bible was written in three languages. Um, the Old Testament, I think it was like 99% of the Old Testament mm-hmm. was written in Hebrew. Um, and so about, it's a very small percentage was written in Aramaic. Aramaic Aramaic is a Semitic language, so is Hebrew. And so if you understand Hebrew, it's pretty easy to learn Aramaic. Right. They're, they're sister languages, if you will. The New Testament was written in Koine Greek. Uh, so it is not the same as modern Greek. Not if at you all. know modern Greek, it will help you learn Koine Greek significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but nobody actually really knows how to speak Koine Greek or biblical Hebrew. They're dead languages. Um, and so um, that's that's some of the origin. Now, the, the translations that we have today um, are, we'll say, um, people's best attempt to take the original languages and translate them into, we'll speak for Americans right now, into our language so that modern it is day English easily understood. Us. Yeah, modern day English. So it's easily understood culturally relevant. We can pick these things up and just read them. So when the King James Bible was was written, it made sense to the people of that time. Of it that was written in their English. And uh, now we read the King James Bible. And unless you grew up with it, it's like, what am I reading? Yeah, what we, don't this speak, we don't speak like Shakespeare. Totally. So tra- translations come from three places. Um, number one is a person. So you get the message, um, which is written by Eugene Peterson. Right. It's more of a paraphrase, which yes, I think is really is important. Paraphrase. Yep. Um, people will pick it up though, and they'll think it's a translation and, uh, you, you need to be careful when you're reading paraphrases or translations from one person, because that translation, um, is typically their interpretation, mm-hmm. um, on most every there verse of scripture. There is a great deal of interpretation when you get to paraphrasing. Yep. Uh, number two is a denominational committee. Okay. So you have a, it might be Roman Catholic. It might be a Methodist, the Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witnesses. Witnesses. Uh, I will say the one version the world that you should never, ever, ever read under any circumstances that was deceptively made to, we'll say, um, lead people astray from what the clear text of the original languages says is the New World Translation yes. by the Jehovah's Witnesses. Burn it, throw it out. It's worthless. Um, it's not a helpful one. I have no issue saying that here. Um, it, it was just a deceptively made, deceptively made document. So mm-hmm. some denominations, they're going to they're gonna put together uh, a committee that's going to do that. And then there are third party, we'll say this typically happens in the evangelical world. Um, third party groups that make translations. So we have the English Standard Version, the New International Version, the um, New 
the English standard version, you have the, did I say that twice? I don't know. They all bleed together in my brain eventually, <laughs> but you have all these different translations. And so these third parties put together, they get the best scholars in the entire world together and they try to make a translation that is as close to the original intent and meaning of the original authors as humanly possible. That's now, right. Our, our, our listeners may not know this. When you open and you hold in your hands an English translation of the Bible, this is the cumulative effort of archaeologists, scientists, um, we will say very, very, very smart people with mm -hmm. tons of PhDs over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years um, navigating literally hundreds of thousands of documents found all over the world. Um, what you hold is the is the cumulative um, product and uh, of we'll just say so much knowledge and hard work That's and intelligence. Right. I mean, you might think as you open up an English Bible, some dude sat in a chair and uh, translated this. And Not this was done typically by committees who had checks and balances and, and multiple translators for each book. I mean, the amount of effort and work and intelligence, and I always joke and say PhDs that go into in English <laughs> translations, it is a work of art and it is a work of science. And yes. it is an incredible, incredible thing that we have. And uh, we need to appreciate our English versions because uh, let's just say um, many, many people over many years did a lot of hard work to get mm -hmm. us what we they have. They sure have. Um, so a, a translation's goal is accuracy, clarity, and readability. That's, That's right. That should be their mm -hmm. goal. Um, a translation source, we're going to deal with that tomorrow and just to whet your appetite a little bit. Um, a translator has to choose which, we'll say, original source they're going to use. Yes. So there are three main options, which we'll talk about tomorrow, the Textus Receptus, the majority text, or the eclectic text. You might be thinking, huh? Uh -huh. You Come are back tomorrow. not going to want to miss tomorrow's episode because the science and the and the and just the um, stuff behind the uh, the New Testament text is pretty unbelievable. But number three, a, translation, a translator's method. Um, there is a spectrum of methods. And so it can go from very, very literal word for word, um, which is called a formal equivalent, mm -hmm. all the way to the other side, um, which would be called a dynamic equivalent, which is, we'll say, thought for thought. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. And, uh, and then there's everything in between. So the new American standard updated version um, is going to be a formal equivalent, very, very little so literal. So when I was translating um, uh, Greek, uh, almost every time I would translate, it would be almost identical yes. to the new American you standard. Could, you could compare it to the NASB. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it's actually like a, a great tool if you want to know literally like mm -hmm. what it said and uh, very, very helpful, but it also reads like a brick, yeah. right? It, it reads rough. Yeah. It's kind of exhausting. It's not very poetic. You kind of lose some of the poetry of it and it's just very literal, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and also readable, but not. So the English standard version came out and the English standard version um, was intended to be as literal, but more readable, right. um, much more holding to the spirit of the authors um, that they wanted their audience to be able to take in this, read it, enjoy it, process it. And so we personally teach out of the English standard version because right. it is very literal. And uh, I love the order that God puts his words. And I want to try to retain that order. Um, I think that's really important. Um, many people use the new um, international version and the new, new international version would be called again, a, a dynamic, dynamic equivalent, equivalent thought for thought um, rather than being word for word. It's not that it's untrue. It's mm -hmm. just more communicating general ideas than it is word for word truth. Now, is it good? Yeah, it's great. Yes, it's absolutely good. Um, I really enjoy Very readable. It's very readable. I enjoy the NIV and um, the teams and committees that went into making the NIV work did a great job. Yes. 
Um, sometimes you're going to see some differences and the meaning between the NIV and the ESV and the New American Standard Version. And they're not the end of the world. They're usually minor interpretations. They are very close, just nuanced the way in which a word is translated. Yep. And then you get all the way over on the other side of the spectrum of dynamic equivalent, which is like the living Bible or the message mm -hmm. that even, that's more paraphrasy, if you will. And um, and so you just got to know what you're reading. Are you reading um, a translation that is thought for thought or word for word? And then where on that spectrum are you? That's right. Um, so if, if, you, if that sounds confusing to you, then probably what you need to do is go Google um, different versions and try to get your head around right. it. Um, and let this be something that whets your appetite to figure more about, uh, out about this. But if you're, using the N if you're using the NAS, the New American Standard, it's word for word. The ESV is word for word. The NIV is thought for thought. Okay, uh, it's different. So just make sure listeners under understand that. Now the the King James Bible, um, first of all, is old. It doesn't translate, um, and we're going to deal with this more tomorrow. It is the interpretation is based on we'll say the best collection of Greek and Hebrew texts that they from had at the five hundred years ago. And let me just be clear: we have found thousands, thousands, and thousands and thousands of new documents dating all the way back to the first and second century um, that now have added to helping us understand um, exactly what the original authors wrote when they when they wrote. So yes. um, I don't personally like the King James. I understand there's a big debate about this. I don't get it because scientifically <laughs> it's a logical, logically it's a logical tomorrow. We'll talk about that. Um, but we have incredible, incredible manuscript evidence um, that tells us that the King James Version was not written on the best evidence. Was it good intention? Yes. Did mm -hmm. God preserve his word for an entire yes. generation in English? Yes. Was it evil? No. Did it do any harm? No. Is it the most accurate? Definitely not. Not anymore. Unquestionably, definitely not. And I would say the same with the New King James Version. Um, it's based on a, we'll say, a, we'll say text, particularly a Greek text um, that is not the best. So um, big picture, everybody, if you're reading the NIV, ESV, New American Standard, go at it, have a field day. If you're reading the New World Translation, throw it out in the trash. It's it's not good. Um, and uh, if there are, again, a hundred translations, you're going to have to find whatever translation you're reading. Go Google it. See if it is a word for word, dynamic equivalent, formal equivalent. Look up what those mean. And now you can know what you're reading. If you really want to study the Bible, hear me, stick with the New American Standard or the English Standard. I'm a big fan of the English Standard because of its readability. Um, there's a whole nother section of Bibles coming out that are that are that have no verses and no chapter distinctions in them. It's going to make it um, hard to memorize verses. It is, but it's and fine passages. It is, but they're more intended to be read as novels. So right. sometimes when you see the verses and the chapters, there's you, you create arbitrary distinctions in your brain that the authors never intended you mm -hmm. to. That is correct. And so this whole other section of, of Bibles that are being created recently, um, I have one. I actually love it. I, I can find myself without even just thinking, keep right on reading, reading yep. an entire book. And I'm like, oh, that was really interesting. But when I'm reading with chapters and verses, I'm like, oh, I should probably stop now. Yeah, like there's should. weird psychological things happen in my brain. Yeah, psychologically, you're told to stop at, yep. a, at a chapter, at a chapter break. right? And, and the author may have never intended that. That's so, right. But that's, a, that's actually a podcast in a couple days. We're going to talk about where did uh, verses and chapters and paragraphs and punctuation come um, and when did those come into the into the text. So um, big picture here is stick with the NAS, ESV, um, NIV, or other um, word for word or dynamic equivalents, and uh, you'll be in a good place. But that's why we have them. Um, and uh, remember, 
when you hold an English Bible, you hold one of the greatest works of science um, in modern history. It is an unbelievable feat that has gone into making this as accurate and reliable as it is. Listeners, thanks for joining us today. Clearly, God wants his word to be read by all peoples throughout all generations. In order to do that, there has to be translations. So please join us next time when we answer the question, do we have the original documents from the biblical authors? Looking forward to talking with you next time.